Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantin Kisson. And this is a show for you if you're bored of watching people argue on the internet over subjects they know nothing about. At Trigonometry, we don't pretend to be the experts, we ask the experts. Our brilliant guest this week is one of our favourite comedians here in the UK, Finn Taylor. Welcome hey. to Trigonometry. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Listen, before anyone who doesn't know you, who hasn't seen you perform, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, how are you, where you are, what has been your journey through life to the point where you're sitting in this chair? Uh, well, I'm a stand-up comedian. I have been for 10 years. It's basically the only job I've ever had. Um, I suppose in the last three years, I've started talking about identity politics, tribalism, lots of the same similar sort of things that you talk about on this podcast. And it's since doing that, I've had, I guess, a relative level of success. Um, well, you've been on Live at the Apollo, which is the biggest comedy TV show in this country at the moment, or stand-up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, obviously, it used to be on BBC One at 10 o'clock, and now it's, now it's on BBC Two on a Thursday. But no, it's great. Great, great, great to be asked. Really happy to be asked. That uh, was an ambition. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, get, get, I, get, I do well at the Edinburgh Festival, um, but I do also manage to piss off a lot of people, uh, by doing that. Speaking of which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which <laughs> is really one of the point. reasons we wanted to talk to you at this particular time is yeah. you had an article about you come out, I think it was an independent newspaper, wasn't it? Yes, which is an online blog, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, in, the independent comment section, which mm. is open to all, uh, as became clear when I read this, mm. um, they, yeah, they released this article that it wasn't necessarily about me, but it, it opened with this person who claimed to be a, a, a new comedian on the circuit. Well, the subject of the article was, as a comedian working the circuit, I am like something like horrified by... Reg regre these old jokes, regressive humour coming back into comedy. Mm. Um, now, there's lots of context. I mean, it's been since been disproved that he was actually a comedian. Um, lots, of, lots of people on my behalf got in touch with The Independent that were way more angry than I, than I was about it, like mm. Stuart Lee and uh, Al Murray and Tom Rosenthal were all emailing the Independent trying to see if he was real or not because they thought it might be like a spiked inside job because it did sort of read like a spiked spoof of a Guardian article. Mm. Um, but it turns out this guy isn't a comedian, but I, I, at the moment, let's say he's real. And the article opens with him at my show, my most recent show, and uh, which is sort of about gender politics. Which I've seen. Yes, um, no, no compliment there, just I have seen, <laughs> I have seen that show. Yeah. Um, and that's how you know Constantin yeah. is Russian. <laughs> yeah. He deals purely in facts. I yeah. have seen it. I have, I have seen, seen that. it. <laughs> the facts of the matter are I have witnessed the show. Yeah. Um, so he walks out of the show after, halfway through and uh, in, in the article he says this is because it's um, regressive uh, Jim Davidson style. Um, he, calls it, he calls the show a thinly veiled rape apology. <laughs> Uh, which which I, I totally disagree with. I, I, there was no thinness to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I must just stress, because obviously most people watching this won't have seen the show, uh, it's not. Um, <laughs> but what the show is, and what I think, what I, think I, I, I do, is I like to take uh, subjects that people feel very tense about and are often divided into very um, facile, kind of infantile binaries, and I like to just explore them and investigate all areas and angles, and I don't try and land on a specific side. I, you know, I, I try and, um, I, I, I sort of, I take all the arguments in good faith. I, I think there must be elements of truth on both sides. So the, try and investigate a way of, you know, seeing both these things. So in this context, it was, uh, you know, the Me Too thing, which is obviously is outpouring of rage about how women haven't had a chance to have their, uh, the crimes that can be committed against them properly processed, how do you balance that with the possibility of a hashtag ruining uh, a man's livelihood when it wasn't true? Uh, now, if, if you, those are, but those are two problems that coexist mm. and it's childish to pretend that one doesn't. Um, uh, and so this is often what gets, you know, if you say, you sort of get forced into a corner where you have to say, I believe every, every woman, I believe all women. Or you would say, oh, it's all bollocks, they're all lying. And obviously those are both ridiculous, you know, you have to find a way of dealing with both problems. But if you, you know, what's happened here is that I've sort of tried to articulate quite a nuanced position. And, and he said that just from deviating from this, this point of view, I, I'm, I'm a rape apologist. And the irony is if he'd stayed uh, for the rest of the show, he would have found out who the real rape apologist in the comedy industry is, uh, as that's who I 
sort of name and shame, but I probably can't go into that here as you'll get done for libel. Um, no, you'll get done for libel. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> this podcast will be done. Um, that's, that's libel law. But anyway, um, we should look at like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm quite versed in it from, the, from, 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 from that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it was a strange article. It then went on to go and push this sort of thing that is quite often said nowadays that, um, you know, there are these two camps in, in comedy. Comedy is in the, in the grips of like a, a struggle for its soul. And uh, on one side, you have. Uh, let's sake of argument, the left, uh, who believe that comedy needs to have a social conscience, that as a comedian you are sort of like a, an agent actively participating in a culture, your words are powerful, uh, and you could end up contributing to a culture of oppression. Uh, and the kind of totem pole, the icon of this side is people like Hannah Gadsby, who wrote this, I mean, arguably the most successful Edinburgh show ever, um, sort of a takedown of comedy and uh, from like a, you know, a marginalized person's perspective. Uh, it's now on Netflix. Uh, the, op- the opposite side of the argument is that um, free speech is under threat. This is just comedy. Uh, political correctness is killing um, what's just, you know, meaningless jokes. Um, and this article was basically from this perspective, pushing me into this camp. Welcome. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I he doesn't want to be here, as, as you're about to find <laughs> out. Well, I... I I, I don't really think this culture war exists in the way that a lot of people like to believe it does. Uh, I think it's one that only really exists online in this kind of endless ping pong match of fucking blogs. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah. of course you right. are. <laughs> fucking blogs and things. The free speech podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Meaningless hot takes. Um, but I, I, as someone who you know works the circuit, solo shows, arts festivals, I, I don't really see these battles taking place in an audience. Um, and so I sort of, that's why I, I didn't really want to, I was asked to reply to this article in The Independent, which obviously I was like, well, no, I'm not going to work for you for free. It's a way of rescuing my <laughs> reputation from you. But um, I didn't really want to play this game that they, they push you into a corner um, with, you know, you were then accepting the terms of their sort of framing, aren't you? That, mm. yeah, there is these two battles and one has to win. And one is right and one is wrong. When I sort of think that, you know, you could like different stuff. Mm. <laughs> like me and Hannah Gadsby have the same agent. Yeah. The same person is responsible for both our careers in the UK. I think if this guy found that out, his brain would explode. <laughs> like, um, it's, you know, it's, well, I'd love to call it art, but it, how, how is your cultural taste now informed by your political values? I don't see that as at all true. But do you not think sometimes, I mean, I've, and I really like your comedy, I genuinely do, but I've seen a joke that you do on mm. stage and in front of a very liberal, you know, dare yeah. I say, snowflake crowd. And the moment uh, you say the joke, you lose, you, you, you lost them for a certain period of time and you could see them tense up yeah. and shut down. And it was a joke aimed at Mediterranean people. My girlfriend is Greek Cypriot. She found it hilarious. Yeah. And all the middle class white people in the room thought you were a hate monger. Well, no, you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, the point is I I do know when I'm losing the crowd. Yeah. And that is deliberate. Um, <laughs> because uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the stuff is aimed at um, people like me, precious white liberals, yeah. and just teasing how much they think about it. This is, this is I suppose, the thing is that... Um, if I was doing these uh, these jokes in a in a if I was branded if I was branding myself as you know this free speech warrior mm. this truth teller, <laughs> um, then I would get a crowd that want that you know people that buy into that sort of side of the argument. Um, but it's not as fun as when it's in front of a mixed crowd, and that's part of the reason I didn't want to sort of get into this so much is that I'm really proud of the fact that when I do solo shows and the festivals and stuff. It's an insane mix of people that would never normally be in the same room. Mm. You know, you have, you know, those old white fellas in the three-piece suit, the fedora, you know, proper old Tories. They're sitting next to women with blue hair, mm. who are, you know, polyamorous, vegan, queer <laughs> community people. And they sort of project their own things onto what I do, I think, because... I don't, you know, I deliberately don't try and fit into one of these worldviews that rubbishes the other. 
Um, but yeah, I'll tell you a point. I, I, I know that I, <laughs> I actively do try and annoy um, a lot of people. But it's, um, you know, that Mediterranean joke. The joke is, it's in the Me Too thing, it's, it's hard to know if a, if a, hard for a woman to know if a man is a sex pest or he is just Mediterranean. <laughs> but that's, that's gamed, right? In that it's just about acceptable because it's a broad enough group. It's not really a distinguished enough. But then surely the counter argument to someone is that, is that you are being, as a white male of privilege, yeah. you are being uh, you know, discriminatory to Mediterranean men. Uh, you know, you're classing them always being, you know, particularly predatory. That mm -hmm. is not fair. That is not acceptable. Neither is that right. And I am offended. Okay. Well, it's a joke. <laughs> it's obviously not true. The, the, the untrueness of it should be enough. But there is a point of that, I suppose, of the far left who would actually say, well, yeah, but you have a duty and a responsibility. Yes. But my point is that it's a very small fringe of people that actually think that. And I think... The, the sort of the free speech guys on the right um, are similarly a sort of fringe. On the right, yeah. But yeah. there's also free speech people who are not on the right. Yeah, of course. Like but, me. Yes. Yeah. But there are, there are the people that push these... I'm using left and right just as yeah. indicators. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. The people that push these divides, I just... I don't see... I see 90% of comedy audiences do not politicise their enjoyment or lack of it. If they find something... Funny, they laugh. If they don't, they don't. If they find it edgy or close to the bone, they go, ooh. But yeah. they, they enjoy making that noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if it's a bit whimsical, they go, eh. And if, uh, it's only a certain type of person that walks into a show with a kind of preset, I think this. Well, there's a mutual friend of ours who I'm not going to name on the show, but yeah. he was doing a show about men right. last year. You, you may know who I'm talking about. Uh, and he was doing a preview at a club that I know, and, and uh, a woman stood up in the middle of a show and said, you're a white man, you're not allowed to, to talk about this, mm -hmm. and wouldn't leave until the show was ended. Yeah, that's my point, that this person would exist in that very, I, I, as I see it, small yeah. minority. Of but that would not have happened 10 years ago, is my point. No, maybe the minority has, has gotten more emboldened on yeah. both sides. And that's possibly because both sides... Um, oh, way over perceive the threat of the other mm. because they have to because they're reactive narratives you can't have the we need to clean up comedy sort of you know you guys are all dinosaurs mm. without the other guys saying whoa free speech and you can't have they can't exist without them because they're both parasitic they live off the other right um, and so they've maybe got emboldened and maybe got louder and maybe they have more more spirit for a fight, but I, I, I don't, I just don't see it as something that actually exists in the way that is, is made out to so much online. Well, what you've just described is exactly the thing you're saying doesn't exist, which is the culture war. The, the two edges becoming emboldened and then dragging other people in. Mm. That is the culture war. Right. It's, it's, it's the, there are small minorities that are sucking you in. Yeah. Well, they're sucking everybody in because yeah. our conversations in society about privilege, about uh, discrimination, about you know something we'll go on to talk about, which is the, the Dankula and other people yeah, who yeah, have yeah. actually been prosecuted for saying things which were a joke. Like mm -hmm. your defense of your joke about Mediterranean people. And I yeah. could be offended by that because I'm a quarter Greek, right? Yeah. Your defense is that's a joke, and it's obviously not true. But if you have something like his case where the judge said, uh, the prosecutor and the judge said context doesn't matter, intent doesn't matter, then you get into a point where if you say something on stage and someone chooses to take it literally, mm -hmm. and you say a lot of stuff that can be misinterpreted that way, yes, stage, sure. right? then you end up in a position where you could be criminalized. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, if you say there's no culture war, I think what you're saying is there's no culture war in broader society, right? In in the in the mainstream of society, mm -hmm. which I can kind of agree with to some extent. Yeah. But I feel the only reason that that's true is that this way of thinking hasn't seeped into that far into it, but it will because so, yeah, at you, universities these people are being indoctrinated. So so yeah so so you see it as a precedent to a kind of dystopia. Yeah. Um, Whenever I, I and sometimes I do, but I, I'm I then I then go off Twitter for a week, and I and I just do gigs, mm. normal you know Friday Saturday night clubs, and these these hot takes don't exist. People enjoy it or they don't enjoy it, mm. and 
you know, 16% of the UK are on Twitter. I mean, just, just think about how small... That's comedians, media people, politicians, journalists, and fucking lunatics. <laughs> that is... And it feels so much louder when you're yeah, there. Yeah. You, you think this is representative. Yeah. But it, it, I don't... It's not. And, I, and I, can, I know that from experience because as someone who you know, talks about these arguments that are made online, when I try and do jokes about certain things, people have no idea what I'm talking about. Like I tried to do a bit in my last show, I had a whole bit about uh, the transgender movement and how it sort of competed with women's rights and that sort of aspect of of the argument. Again, one that mainly takes place online. Mm. Um, And I tried to do a thing about the term cisgender Mm. and say, you know, it's... Oh, this is what this is a word for if you're born a man and you're you're still a man, which is good because I never knew what the word for that was. <laughs> but people don't know what that term is. Yeah. Yeah. Like the people that come and so it, it's you know, and I really thought it was a funny joke, so I really kept trying to do it, but it just wouldn't fly because people didn't know what the premise yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and so I I do see these as sort of as as fringe mad. Um, discussions rather than something that is is seeping in. Okay, so yeah. here's here's the point. Yeah, five years from now, yeah, you're going to be fine doing that joke. Maybe you are. Maybe even this year, if you'd gone to Edinburgh this year, you'd be fine doing that joke because we're talking about you know Piers Morgan has people talking about trans on national TV like every second day or whatever. Possibly. It's becoming a much bigger part of the conversation. So this obsession with identity mm-hmm. is spreading. It's not just static. It's not just there's that 3% of people who care about it on one side, 3% on the other side, and it's staying there. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's spreading. We're talking about more and more. And it's not right now, maybe that's the 16% of people on Twitter, but it's spreading into mainstream society. Maybe it is. I we guess we won't know until the future. What was telling was that all the responses to this article that was basically framing this debate were like, shut up, mate, it's just comedy. Yeah. Like, people didn't really have the, a lot of the responses to the article. The guy at the port, I mean, I feel sorry for him because he had to like remove his photo and mm. get off Twitter because he was getting so much hate, which I don't condone, by the way. Um, and um, he, like, most people don't have the, the, the sort of vocabulary to, to meet these that was what was noticeable, and that they're not participating in the cultural because they don't really know it exists. They're just like, it's just a joke, shut up. You know, mm. this is most people's response, I find. Um, it does feel like a very insular, navel gazing comedy media class thing. Mm. And you could be right. I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe it will spread out to the broader. But that's why, I'm in, that's why I'm concerned about it. It's not because I think that right now we live in an oppressive society where no one can say what they yes. think. But there is a direction of travel. Well, right. And yeah, I would, I, I guess I disagree that, that that's inevitable or, or it's moving. It's, uh, I always find it funny when people say this, is a, this is a pre- sets a precedent mm. because there's often a huge caveat to that precedent. Like um, recently, there was, you know, the Shamima Begum case yes. mm. where she was stripped of her citizenship, mm. the ISIS bride. Mm. And um, it's a fair point. A lot of um, people from uh, sort of second generation immigrants were on Newsnight saying this sets a dangerous precedent because could I just have my citizenship revoked? And the caveat is, well, do you want to join ISIS <laughs> without <laughs> any consequences? Like that's a massive part yeah. of the context of that. Uh, but I, you know, uh, so I sort of think when people say this sets a precedent, I'm, I don't know. It never, it never seems to get. I don't know. I'm, I'm very uh, unsure as to whether it actually, yeah, it does sig- signals are coming dystopia yeah. or whether it's just a, a loud fringe. I don't know. Couple of points I want to make. Number one, I think your Mediterranean joke is an undeniable truth, but it's fixed. <laughs> well, <laughs> somebody it's the kind of racism we allow on this show. <laughs> um, that is a, uh, as somebody who is in a long-term relationship with a Mediterranean woman and her family, nailed yeah. it. <laughs> uh, number one and number two, I, I take your point uh, about you saying the, the 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 common person isn't interested in it, and the reason is is because you know being a former teacher, most people are so wrapped up in their own lives. And, you know, whether they've, you know, they've got family, they've got kids, they've got a job, they've got to hold down, they've got to do the school and everything else, that these sort of wars that go on online, they just don't appear in the public consciousness simply because people don't have the time. However, I think the real danger is, is the people who dictate what it is that we consume in mainstream media mm-hmm. are very much part of that particular ideology and war. And that's where I think it might seep in. So what you're going to get is uh, comedy becoming more and more sanitised, as it were. And certain points of view, uh, 
not being represented. Like, if you think about it, the majority of people in this country in the referendum voted Brexit, whether you agree, whether you disagree. Mm -hmm. But Jeff Norcott is really the only pro-Brexit comedian that is yeah. on mainstream media. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose that's true. Well, firstly, when you said that you think comedy is going to get more sanitised, yeah. it's going to get more sanitised, perhaps, on the BBC. But yeah. on Netflix, it's, going to, it's the opposite, right? Yeah. Um, and the BBC... I already know are trying to catch up, so so I, I'm not sure it will be sanitised. But maybe you're you're correct in that, and maybe this is where you might have a point: is that people are increasingly comics are increasingly branding themselves. They're taking a side on these on these sort of binary debates, uh, and they can sell a lot of tickets that way. I suppose in that um, I'm it's something I'm reluctant to do. I don't I don't disrespect anyone for doing it, but it's something I'm reluctant to do. In that I I really like that my audience is mixed. And I like that they come because I sort of take the piss out of every side of a mm. of a debate. Um, uh, I, I would be I would be kind of reticent to brand myself as one or the other um, because then you'd get people coming that they're coming because they they think that you think the same as them. Mm. And I don't think that's that's for me that's not as fun. I like having a bit of spice in the in the gig and trying to you know toss ideas around mm. in the knowledge that they might all be wrong, they might all be right, we, we don't know. And it's also more authentic as well because nobody's wholly on the right, nobody's wholly on the left. Like we were talking to Peter Hitchens, I think he, Peter would describe himself as being more towards the right of the political Well, state. he's a social conservative, so, yeah. but I guess economically he's more of a social democrat. Yes, yeah, yeah. and absolutely, and he's in favour of the nationalisation of the railways, which is actually a left-wing policy. Well, I think most, most people are evidence-based, well... No, 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 um, and and I think I think most people agree with an evidence based uh, look at the world. Oh, I don't know if they do. <laughs> <laughs> most people should. And it, feel, it feels like maybe there was a time when people did. Maybe after the Cold War, when we sort of everyone cooled down a bit and said, "Yeah, these these dogmatic ways of of looking at the world don't work." But then that was a very brief window, wasn't it? Feels yeah. like we're about there. Mm. And Sorry, carry on. Uh, I was going to say, coming back to, to comedy, one of the things that Francis and I often talk about is, because we're gigging comedians like you are, mm. is like Francis might write a great bit, and then, which I know is funny. You know, as a comedian, you kind of know sometimes what's funny and what isn't. And there are certain clubs where he can't do that bit, you know. Or I have routines that two years ago were hilarious, and now everyone just goes, ooh. So have you seen a change in the 10 years that you've been a comedian in terms of what people find edgy, what, what the definition of edgy has changed? I don't know because I wasn't really, it's only been in about the last three or four years that I suppose I've, I've, I've been reviewed as provocative, is what I always call mm -hmm. provocative edgy. Um, I don't know. I mean, when you say there are some clubs you can't do certain jokes at, I never found that. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, which is why I think the, um, you know, I, I, I know you, so you had a thing where you were told you couldn't, you had this contract to agree mm. with it. Was it Goldsmiths or? Solace. Solace, yeah. right. It's one of those two things. Solace yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and Goldsmiths yeah. are basically the two. And that's yeah. obviously just, I see that as just, you know, silly students, mm -hmm. righteous indignation. Mm. That is a phase that, that won't last. Like every generation will think that for a bit. I mm. used to think like that. But I got older and whatever, read more. Um, similarly, I, you know, there's the, a the free speech gig, isn't there? I know that you guys have done. Yeah. yeah. Comedy Unleashed, yeah. Right. The reason, I, there's nothing that I would do at that gig that I wouldn't do at any other show. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know whether that's because I have a, a, a broken radar, but I, I just, I've always just done whatever I wanted to, to do. Um, and so I, I, I don't really see the, the comics being censored thing or, or the... But do you not think there are certain times and maybe there are certain routines that I... Know, like, I used to talk about my mum being a Trump supporter. 
Yeah. Which she, she is. She's mm. a disabled Latin American 73-year-old woman who supports Donald Trump. <laughs> right. And I, which is funny. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've done it on stage at gigs and people just shut down just like that. They hear the word Donald Trump. And I've actually been booed. Uh, I mean, I was booed at Up the Creek, which everyone has been booed yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, is there, is there a, what's the, is there a punchline in it? I yeah, mean, yeah, I'm, no, I'm sure oh, there is. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. wow, oh, that's oh, a sick burn. Yeah. I know, I'm not, is there okay. a punchline to your routine, Francis? <laughs> I'm not trying to burn yeah, No, 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 no. I'm no. just saying yeah, maybe, okay, maybe. So, I'm joking, Finn. So, yeah. so, no, but, so the punchline is like, but then I understand why people vote for Donald Trump, because it's very difficult nowadays uh, to be a nice, kind, tolerant person. But we live in a world where estate agents exist. Right. Right, okay, because every time I see a group of estate agents in my area, I behave a little bit like a racist. <laughs> I'll see them, I'll think, yeah, it's too many of them around here. Yeah. They all look the fucking same to me. I'll go, look, guys, chill out. I'm not prejudiced. Uh, uh, some of my best friends are estate agents. I just yeah. want one one marrying my daughter. Because what happens if they had a kid? It would come out half normal, half estate agent. And we know what we call one of them, don't we? A recruitment consultant. <laughs> Bang, yeah. joke at the end. Yeah. But I've just lost them. And before that, used to two years ago, or a year, even a year and a half ago, that used to be one of the biggest bits in the set. And the recruitment consultant, bam. Mm. Because it's something silly to bookend what is a sort of serious political point. Mm. But at the moment I found that I do that Trump bit, they just go, ooh, and then, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe yeah. I just don't have the skill yet to be able to take that and just get people to go with it. Well, I don't know. I've, I've, I've not found, I, I, I don't find. Maybe, maybe people, you, there are some gigs where people are more yeah. know, clenchy. Yeah. But then... Um, I always try and perform it in a way where I know that they're uncomfortable and that, that I'm in control of that. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of my eye contact is like this. It's going, go on, beat heads. There's a joke yeah. coming. Um, which I guess is sort of signaling your intent, maybe, as a performance trick. Because um, that's one of the things about irony is that I think quite often people mistake irony for saying something horrible and then someone calls you out and then you go, oh, no, I was, I was just joking. <laughs> um, when really, you know, you have to, you have to perform. You have to um, uh, show people that you don't mean what you say yeah. via other means. Yeah. So um, there is some responsibility to how you say these things, yeah. I think. But look, I, I'm not denying that you've had that experience, but I, I, don't, I don't see that. You oh. accept your lived experience. <laughs> yeah. I accept your lived experience. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I don't feel... Um, you know, the only times any of my friends have had stuff like this has been when Nish has uh, caused a riot because he's just so anti-Brexit at the 99 <laughs> Club on a Saturday. And people yeah. have unplugged his microphone. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, he's, he's, he's going for... He's, he's deliberately stoking... Um, well, not deliberately stoking, but, you know, he's, he's on one side. Yeah. And he's doing stuff that's belittling the other side. And, you know, on a Saturday night, they're going to be... Leave it's amazing that people don't realise that Brexit will divide a room. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> literally 52, 48. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's divided a country. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, uh, maybe that's because, you know, my stuff is about these subjects but doesn't, doesn't take a side. People feel like they can laugh at it because they don't feel they're under a, attack. Yeah. Um, some people, obviously, some people just, just hear that you're not parroting their, their point of view and yeah. write articles in The Independent. Um, so yeah, so so sorry, I've forgotten what you were. No, no, but it, no, it's 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 an interesting point that you make, and you know maybe it just... I, yeah, I don't see, I don't see it. I yeah. don't, I don't, see, I don't feel censored. I don't yeah. feel like comics are under threat. Uh, when I did live with the Apollo, uh, I went into the, the the bar afterwards, and the head of BBC Two told me, you know, whatever happens, we have to, we always have to have a space for this type of comedy on the channel. That's the head of the BBC. Mm. It's the head of the channel saying that. Um, and so you know, let's, like, let's move on a well, little bit. I was just going to make sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. point. Yeah. Is that why, why have Frankie Boyle and Jimmy Carr not been cancelled? Mm. It's because the, they don't wade into these debates in the way that Ricky Gervais does. Yeah. And I think that's quite sage, actually. I think that's because they realise that they're trying to play to you know, loads of people and even though they might be talking about these sort of topics and doing quite brutal jokes, they're not taking a side. They're mm. not dismissing one side or the other. Yeah. That's how I see it anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the, the thing that strikes me whenever you and I have talked about this is like your angle sometimes seems to be like, well, I don't feel censored. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, free speech isn't about you. No. It's, that, yeah. it's about a principle and it's about other people. Like It's like the benefit system. You don't, 
stand up for the benefit system because you, you want benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, you stand up for it because the Scottish principle. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Scottish people, let's talk about Dankulet. Yes. Um, that was irony, by the way, for our Scottish viewers. I'm half Scottish. It's fine. Are you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you, you, My name is Finlay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th that was one of the... You, you said you watched our interview with him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which uh, has, uh, you know, loads of people have commented. They've watched it. It was an interesting case. You said on the phone when we talked there were certain things you didn't agree with us about or you, you took well, an issue I, with. Well, um, I wasn't so much that. So I didn't really have an opinion on it when you asked me about mm. it. And then I, I watched... Because I sort of I had to, hadn't really paid attention to the case. I watched the interview. I then watched the video mm. in question, and um, I sort of see why he got into trouble. And that's not me saying that he should have gone to jail. I, I mean, I think it's quite quite press, um, quite telling that he hasn't. I'm not mm. sure he will. But I mean, this is this is one of the weakest hot takes of all time. But the internet has changed everything, right? <laughs> in, uh, you heard it here first, people. <laughs> on the internet. In, in, uh, <laughs> so if when you do comedy um, for a channel, uh, there is a team of lawyers that are attached to that channel. They're kept there year-round on retainer. Mm. And uh, their job is to make sure that every joke, every premise, every sketch, whatever the show is, is defensible because we have these laws mm. around broadcasting in society that we all sign mm. up to, that some things are, shouldn't be broadcast before a certain time because of children. Some things are, you know, bad taste or whatever. Um, and so we have these standards when it's a publicly owned channel, like the BBC and other, and other you know, freeview channels. Um, that that's that's the you know that's the lay of the land. Mm. Now, one of the great things about the internet is that there's no gatekeepers anymore. You don't have to wait for someone to put you on a channel. Mm. You can just upload stuff straight to the internet, and and if it gets shared enough, more people will ever will see it than will ever see you doing something late night on BBC Two. However, there is no machinery there to uphold the same principles of you know maintaining the social fabric. Um, you know, it's just unfiltered, it's straight, it's direct. Mm. Many times that's a good thing. But how do you stop someone from just pumping hate speech into the ether? But right? hold on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You, is she doing on? hate speech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, let me just carry on. Yeah. Okay. Um, because when, when free speech is, is, um, is defended, mm. it's always the argument, well, there's a context. Context is everything. But for, I always find that the context is always just short of like further context. It's always a convenient amount of context. Mm. Because I think you both agree that we have, uh, there's a huge problem with uh, hate abuse online yeah. at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, young, young teenage girls are killing themselves because of things they're seeing. Today, um, as we record this, there's been, a, there's been a mass shooting in New Zealand and people, it was being broadcast live on, on YouTube mm. and all it said was this might be an appropriate click to proceed. Right, that's the only... So it is totally unregulated. The, um, the big tech companies, they're all, you know, whacking off to Ayn Rand books. They're not going to regulate anything, mm. right? There's kind of these ultra-libertarian ideologues. Um, and so there is going to be this conflict over the next 10 years between state and uh, internet. Mm. How do you protect people from the darker side of the internet? Mm. I think that's a contest that's going to happen and that should. That's mm. my opinion. Uh, what I see the Count Dankula thing as is a sort of growing pain in that initial thing, in that it's ridiculous that it's, it's clearly, he says it's a joke, it's context to a joke, but at the same time, he says the phrase gas the Jews however many 40 times, mm. and for a lot of that, the, the pug isn't really doing anything. And I'm not saying he should go to jail, but I, I sort of see this as maybe a misstep, maybe maybe a heavy-handedness, but I see it as an initial foray in trying to deal with this conflict between state responsibility and an unregulated online space. Um, and I can't help but feel if, if Count Ankula was a Muslim comic and was that pug was watching videos of jihadis beheading journalists and 9-11 footage and like clapping and stuff, which might be funny, I can't help but feel that the same people defending him would be crowing for him to be banged up. Mm. Why? Because there is a context of Muslim men getting radicalised online, mm. and that has to be dealt with, right? So this is what I see. Um, th there is definitely going to be a conflict, but I see it as a, something that sort of needs needs to happen. I think what I th this is my opinion. I know this won't make him feel any better. 
And also a large part of this comes from the fact he's a YouTube comedian and will get way more viewers than I ever will doing yeah. a proper comedian. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think what the state seems to have done is gone, right, you're fined 800 pounds. We're not going to take you to jail, which is ridiculous to go to jail for, but justice sort of needs to be seen. They sent him a letter saying they will take him to jail right. after that interview. Okay, well, yeah. maybe he will go to jail. I, I feel like there's several, there's, there's several cases of people being like, you're convicted, we're not going to go to jail. They try and make the whole thing disappear quietly yeah. because they sort of realise it's a bit ridiculous. Mm. So that's how I see it, which I know is a nuanced point. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's really vital that we have these discussions. Mm. And I think because look, going back to the polarisation of the internet, the internet is where these conversations appear to take place in a public forum. And a lot of the time, it just seems to be two sides screaming at each other with nobody really listening or sharing a point. You've just made a point and it's enabled me to reflect and I'll go away, ruminate and change my point, my, maybe my point will develop. The one thing that I... I'll leave, take your opinion, yeah, that's yeah, my opinion. Now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the one thing that I found worrying was, was, a, was the judge saying that context isn't important. And I found that particularly dangerous as comedians for, for everyone because we can t- anybody's set, you can take something out, out of context. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. That, that's probably the most worrying bit. Is not the actual conviction. It's the judge saying context doesn't matter. Um, but at the same time, name name me a comedian that's in jail in this country. Name me someone that has had their free speech seriously threatened, removed. I, I, I well, don't. This I don't is see this it. is this is I think where the difference is. Is you're talking about the present. Your focus is in all of these instances on the present. Mm. And I think what. I don't know whether Francis is, but what I'm talking about is the direction of travel. Right. Because Dankula is not the only person. There, mm-hmm. are, there are lots of other people. There's Chelsea Russell. Who, yes, who have been called by the police to check their intentions. No, no. Chelsea Russell was arrested, right. prosecuted, tagged, uh-huh. uh, and she only recently won an appeal. Right. right. So she, she had a life ruined for two years because she shared some lyrics from a rap song online mm-hmm. as a tribute to a friend of hers who had died who loved those lyrics. Right. And it contained the N-word. Right. And she's white. And she's white. Right. Right. So she was prosecuted for this, tagged. Her, her life was ruined by this. Yeah. Right. Police are calling, as you say, uh, you know, people who retweeted some kind of tr- supposedly transphobic limerick and telling them that they need to check their thinking. Yeah. Right. Which, sat, yeah, you're, you, you, you're right in that, I guess, as someone who grew up in the Soviet Union, you're more sensitive to this sort of stuff. Yeah. And mm. rightly so. That You say this stuff and it sounds, it sounds scary. But again, I see it as a sort of necessary struggle mm. in between the state mm. regulating the online space, which I think you have to agree something has to be Of done. course, there, there needs People, to be regular, you know, regulation. Basically, every woman in public life is constantly, every day, being told they're going to be raped or killed. Well, or not, I get tons of hate online as well. Yes, we all, yeah, we but all do. But you deserve it. Yes, we all, <laughs> we, we all do. And, but when it actually, when it does, you know, when, when people are broadcasting mass shootings, yeah. the, the, surely there has to be something to, you know, Something. No, but I just don't see the connection between Dankula and mass shootings. These are separate issues to me. Yeah, right. Well, no, because he, he was he was he was prosecuted for um, being grossly offensive. Grossly, yeah, public indecency, essentially. Right, grossly offensive online. Yeah, um, that is the state trying to trying to clean up the online space. Yeah. right? which it needs to do because mm. at the moment it's so unregulated that mass shootings are broadcast. That that's the context of yeah. the the online sphere. That's how I see it. Right. Um, and the the, th- the thing about um, you know, free speech, is it an absolute, is it not, is it, I think free speech, yes for all, but also the responsibility should be taken by everyone with it, you know. Like the Boris Johnson thing, when he was, um, you know, he made that comment about Muslim women looking like letterboxes and everyone pilloried him, and then everyone defended him by saying, well, it's a free country, it's a free speech, he's a colourful character. And my reading of it is that, well, look, I'm a comedian, I can say... Muslim women look like letterboxes because I'm a comedian and the privilege is you can say anything. However, there's a curse. You cannot really ever be taken seriously mm. because you're a comedian. Boris Johnson is a politician. He is privileged in that he can he gets taken seriously because he represents people. He's, I mean, maybe he's not. That's where your idea falls down, mate. No one takes no, it seriously. Politicians should be yeah, taken yeah, yeah, seriously yeah, yeah, yeah. on a contextual level. Yeah. Um, conceptual level, rather. Boris Johnson has a privilege in that people, you know, he can be taken seriously. He represents people. The curse is he can't say whatever he yeah. wants. Like you just said, you don't have MPs on this show because they can't actually say what they. That is the kind of the gift and the curse mm. yeah. of being in, uh, you know, a democratic politician. In the same way that a comedian has the sort of vice versa 
you know. And maybe this distinction has been muddied by the proliferation of um, comedians, you know, being taken seriously as news hosts and sort of satirical. And appearing on Question Time. Yeah, I would never. I had a conversation with the Question Time producers, and I just was like, I, I just don't think I should do it because unless I just took the whole thing down. Yeah. Because I don't. Again, you're then branding yourself as, you know, I think this. Come and see me because you think this, and that's just not something I want to. I want to. I want to do. Um, but yeah, there is there is this. People have started getting their news more from comedians, and I think it strokes comedians' ego to be taken seriously. But then, it, then maybe it muddies the distinction in that some people who who go to comedians and uh, you know listen to their routines as if they're you know the political activism, they then would look at what I do and they go, "Well, you saying so this?" He's like, "Yeah, but I'm off, I'm not trying. I'm not attempting to be taken anywhere near as seriously as this guy." Yeah. So maybe that's why. Well, a- I mean, in terms of the news, I think uh, the Daily Show, particularly after John Stewart left, mm-hmm. it's it's become an ideological kind of. This is what we think, um, in a way that I don't think it was before. Uh, well, look at the Mash report. I, uh, right, someone who's been on it, I'll uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll defend it. But yeah, but. well, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it, there's anything wrong with it. I'm saying it's a it's something that reflects a particular way of thinking, right? And it's comedy which presents that way of thinking through comedy that more people probably will watch than watch more most of the news. The same with The Daily Show. So mm. I know loads of people now, like um, when this whole free speech thing happened with me or this whole contract thing happened with me, uh, I, I did a show in America called uh, The Tucker Carlson Show, which is on Fox News. Is he the guy that was recently... Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't watch the video. I just saw yeah. he was being cancelled online. But... Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, exactly, right? So anyway, I was talking to a comedian and he said, what was it like being on that show? Because that must have been like really weird. And I was like, how do you mean? And he was like, well, he's like really right wing, isn't he? And I was like, well, have you seen his show? Have you, do you watch his show? Because I'm, I'm not saying he's not right wing. I'm just saying, have you seen the show? Because I'm curious where you're coming from. And he goes, oh, no, I haven't seen the show. But I've just seen what the Daily, the Daily Show says about him. Right. So people get their opinions now through these comedy shows is the yeah. point. Which yeah. I guess feeds very much into what you're yeah. saying. Well, it might, it might be part of the reason why... You know that bloke wrote that article about me is because he's watched comedians and seen them as political pundits. Because yeah. some comedians, it does stroke your ego to be taken seriously. Because mm. the reason we're comedians is that no one ever takes us seriously. Yeah. And uh, someone asks you for your opinion, you go, "Oh, oh yeah." Mm. You know, I was sort of resting about doing this because I'm, you know, for this hour, I'm not who I am on stage. I'm just, you know. So um, yeah, it kind of muddies the waters. Suddenly, people are like, "Oh, I really make some really good points." So when you see a comedian that's that's talking about this stuff, but is you know, is just being stupid and uh and you know not taking a side is just presenting these arguments then maybe you take it as seriously as you do this the you know the the, the left-wing satirist or whatever um and maybe that's why the, the waters get muddy um but well, the, 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 certain comedians do have a lot of power if you think mm. about someone like bill hicks i mean there's george a, carlin george carlin they you know there's a they mobilized a lot of people who ended up espousing their views. And maybe you're right, they do grow out of it and all the rest of it. Well, I, Bill Hicks has a whole range of... Bill Hicks has quite intelligent people wondering about the power of the state and people who think the Jews did 9-11, who like Bill Hicks. You can't, <laughs> you can't say that they all, you know, people have different views and they like people because they project what they think onto mm. them, I think, to a certain amount. Mm. Um, George Carlin's a free thinker, right? He, yeah. He, some things very, you know, socialist. Some some things he says are nowadays would be seeing as as quite sort of reactionary um, anti-PC, I suppose. Mm. Um, well, so th- political correctness is fa- fascism, fascism pretending to be manners. Yes, mm. but then also there's, he was a, was he a massive, I can't remember if he was socialist economic. Anyway, I guess it doesn't matter, but, um, oh, I've lost track of my thought. What did you we're, we're just going to let it pause there. Yeah, you see, this is why 1970s chat shows were great, because when people did, they were small with smoking. Yeah, so just, you just did it, and it just looked really atmospheric. You take your time, have a draw, put it back. There's just drinking got, on camera. Drinking on yeah. camera, you got the smoke effect in front of the lens. Now health and safety has ruined it all. Fucking political correctness. It's gone mad. And what this was, is what we're fucking talking yeah, about. Yeah, what I was going to say is that, um, yeah, f- I got reviewed as, as being free thinking, and mm. I like that. 
Mm. Yeah. Because uh, that reflects the audience that yeah. I get. It's, mm. it's people from, you know, you look out at the, I, look, I did Soho Theatre last month. You look out one of the, one of the nights and it feels like, it feels like the venues for a live event from The Spectator and Vice have got mixed up. Mm. Yeah. It's just all kinds of crazy mm. people. Yeah. And I really like that. But I suppose that does run the risk of very dogmatic people on either side not enjoying it. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the few TV things I've done, I've had, I've pissed off the extremes of both these mm. sides. Um, which I think is the right way to do it, you know, piss everyone off at the same time. Um, and I suppose what I do, what I have found actually, which maybe plays into the narrative that I know you guys like. Um, there is a there is a, there is something of of people getting offended on behalf of people. Uh, loath to call it virtue signaling because it's such a cliche now. But uh, I did a I, on Apollo. I did stuff about my routine about trans rights, and uh, got a couple of really nice emails and tweets from transgender charities mm. that said, "Oh, normally we complain whenever anyone makes a joke about trans rights, but we just want to say we found it really funny. Mm. Clearly, on your research." And I was like, great. Yeah, I thought I had. I made sure I read loads of books about mm. the, the arguments and books by trans women and stuff. And, uh, but on Twitter, there's loads of people who weren't transgender standing up for transgender, attacking mm. me as sort of a, a transphobic Bernard Manning. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's fascinating because it's almost like if you, if people feel like, it, if people assume that if you're talking about these things, it must be derogatory, it must be political. Exactly. Yeah. But this, so this, the routine is, it's, it's, I think tra- you should let trans women piss where they want. Yeah. Ultimately, and I sort of, you know, debunk the idea that maybe it's going to allow sex pests into the bathrooms, but ultimately, because you think about it, these fellas are taking a pay cut. Yeah. Now, um, that is a progressive joke on several levels, because yeah. what I'm saying is you should let these trans women into women's spaces um, because, you know, in good faith, because at, when you transition you lose a certain amount of male privilege. Mm. Yeah. And then you're acknowledging the existence of a wage gap. Yeah. Now, what's the funniest way of saying that these fellas are taking a pay cut? Yeah. Because otherwise you're just, you're just parroting things. Yeah. So it's a pro- very progressive joke. Yeah. But because, you know, you're handling this subject, people seem to Well, this is the point. And, um, this is exactly the point. Like, I have a bit about me being called a packy, which is absolutely true. Yeah. Right? I'll, I've apologised, mate, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's always... Asian people that laugh at that joke and yeah. it's always white middle class people that tense up about that right right like you and I both have a, you have a routine about uh, you know always cheering for the white guy in the 100 meter final yeah I have a routine about how we need a special Olympics for white people right it's always the ethnic minorities who laugh at that bit it's always the white middle class liberal people who tense up about that but what yeah but what's your point about how this leads into Free speech. My, so, so, so my point, no, my, it's not about free speech. My point is that when people get offended on behalf of other people, which is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Right. If this idea that we should all be super sensitive and super offended on behalf of other people spreads, right? Mm-hmm. And it's spreading from universities. This is where it's happening. It's not just that young people go through this phase. It's not by accident. Can I just, I, I hear that argument a lot. Mm. And I think what never gets said is that everyone is a dick at university and grows out of it. And, not and everyone when, goes out. No, right? not everyone. But it, it's often said these ideas are indoctrinating students and yeah. they're spreading out. But what it what it implies is that students stay the same age and have no life no, experience. No, they don't. But this, well, it sort of does in that it's saying that everyone... Who, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, no, they don't stay the right, same. So, yeah. so um, yeah, it's it's implying that students stay the same age and, and carry that with them and yeah. don't live a life and move away from the kind yeah. of dogmatic mm. views they held as a student, which is what I think will happen in the majority, which is part of the reason... Majority. Yeah, who's the most influential Democratic politician in America right now? Peter O'Rourke? No, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah, her. Right. Yeah. That's her. That's her in a nutshell. She is someone who's from that mindset, who's 29 years old, Mm -hmm. straight into being a a congresswoman. Yeah. Right. So what's going to happen over time is that the people who come out of university, if they're not challenged... Mm-hmm. This is the point about you talking about online and hate speech and how do, I agree with you. That's a really good point. I thought, and I thought the way you laid that out. Is Which very, one? The, the the fact that we have to deal with Dankula yeah. is a struggle yeah. over control. control yeah, of, yeah, yeah, versus yeah. That. I think that's a very good point, and yeah. I think we sometimes get into a partisanship about that that's mm. not helpful. Mm. 
Um, but I think that um, what what what's happening with universities is the reason that we have to push back against things like Dankula, this is my opinion, right? And tell me what you think, mm. is that if that is a struggle, then people who are like us on the side uh, of expression, mm-hmm. right, have to put up our end of the fight. We have to say this is where the line is, right? Dankula was too far, right? Mm-hmm. Because you say you understand why he got into trouble, but you don't approve of him being convicted. Yes, but I suppose what these culture, what these what these binaries make you do is they make you um, turn someone into like a a martyr or um, a kind of icon. Yeah. Mm. I personally think <laughs> Count Dankula should be buried like Bin Laden. Uh, <laughs> just dump him in the sea. No, but like I, it's why it's why I'm I'm loath to kind of defend him because. Um, as I'm sure you'll agree, the free speech argument can get hijacked by people who just want to be racist. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. And that's not and him, though. Yeah. He no, no, yeah. sure. But that's why I think you have to be uh, more measured in how you see these things. And I, I do think whether it's the safe space, um, you know, control speech thing yeah. or the free speech thing, um, I do think you sort of have to choose to think that that way. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I, I don't understand. I don't follow the logic of what you're saying. We have to be careful about defending free speech because some people will hijack it who are racist. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah. how is that relevant to Dankula? In the, I, the reason that I don't feel like put, you know, struggling for Count Dankula yeah. is because um, I don't, I, f- I feel like this is someone who what he's doing I don't I don't feel particularly strongly about whether he didn't I, I'm not sure whether he made an error or not that's maybe that's the point is that I'm not I need to watch the video and I don't I don't know if it's if its intent is clear enough um, so you think he was doing no, some kind of I'm, I'm just saying okay he says gas to Jews 50 times whatever yeah context is I'm joking it's a dog yes um, I'm a Chelsea fan Right, have been for years. Dad's always taken me as a kid. Um, this season, as we record this, uh, there's been a lot of attempts by the club to clean up anti-Semitic chanting. Mm. Uh, away mm. game, lots of Chelsea fans held yeah. banners saying yeah. "SS Death Squads, Gas Chambers, all this shit" because there's a rivalry with Tottenham. Yeah, living in the Jewish area of London. Now, I've stood in the stands while people shout songs that have the word "yid" in them, and mm. you know. Just, just horrible anti, just needless anti-Semitic chanting, and you know, thankfully the stand people are shouting them down in the stands. But the argument they say is always the same: it's just banter, it's a bit of football banter. Mm. But you know, Raheem Sterling was abused mm. yeah. racially as a, by a Chelsea fan in the grounds. Yeah. So what, what? Where is the? Where's the line? Where is the line in like the, the context of it being just banter at a football game? Yeah. But the thing, so. The thing that, with, to me, with Chelsea, it's obvious. The intent right. is to hurt people. Yeah. But, oh, but they would yeah. say, they yeah. would say, oh, but no, it's just, we're just rivalry. It's just club rivalry. Yeah. And this is my point, is that it's, at some point, uh, the line is going to get so fuzzy that I, 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 I genuinely just, I don't, I don't know. And I understand the argument that we have to defend him, even if we don't like him, mm. because that's what free speech is. Mm. But at the same time, I'm someone who believes that, you know, um, the public space has to be a bit cleaner online. And so there's going to be things that are right to the edge, and I sort of I'm interested. I'm more interested to see how it plays out, and maybe there'll be a point that someone crosses that line, and I'm like, "Fuck this! This is this is my this is my limit mm. for yeah. free speech yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. art, if you can call it that." Mm. Yeah. Um, but you know, somebody goes to Chelsea games and sees sort of front line of this kind of stuff, and it, and it's wrapped up in this. Oh, it's harmless yeah. club banter. It's just yeah. we're supporting the same team. And it's yeah. like you know. So. Um, I guess my point is that it's very nuanced and I would like to emphasise that it's nuanced. Uh, and in order to do that, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel like I... Because people will just take your support as... You're, right, you're that side of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that, I guess, you know, that's part of the reason that I didn't want to write reply to the independent ones coming yeah. here. Mm. I want to try and articulate this huge middle ground that is um, so often unreported that um, most people think in these kind of mm. this middle ground. Yeah. Mm. And all these debates that happen online, it's either you believe in free speech or free speech equals racism. Yeah. Mm. And the, my point is, 
I'm not going to say the buzzwords on either side mm. because I believe this is a struggle that is is playing out. Mm. That's that's sort of my point. Yeah, you yeah. made that point very well. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's great, and it's it's really really lovely to hear a different point of view mm. as well. Well, thank you for allowing <laughs> me to articulate it. No, it's, yeah, it's, quite it's really good. It's a very useful conversation, yeah. I think, and I think it's having these conversations that allows us to find where that line is. Yeah. Mm. Um, I and, do, yeah. And so, sorry, it's interesting with Dankula in that uh, we will wrap up shortly, and that part of it, I feel that people came down on him because comedically it wasn't skillful. If he'd actually edited it and done it a little bit more differently and, you know, framed it a little bit differently and looked, dare I say, a little less working class, maybe, maybe. yeah, it wouldn't because it's fine for Jimmy Carr to go on stage and make jokes about gypsies but this uh, is smelling badly whilst dressed in a suit with a posh accent. But this is, well, this is, but this is all part of being a comedian, isn't yeah. it? It's, you're in front of a live audience yeah. and you're sort of... Your 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 manner, your context is pleased by that social interaction. Yeah. Like when you're reading a book, you ever read a book that's like like American Psycho or something, yeah. or like Lolita, and you're yeah. on the tube, and you're like, Jesus Christ, yeah. they, do they know what I'm reading? This yeah. is filth. Ban yeah. this filth. Yeah. But it's a book, right? It's just yeah. you in yeah. your head. When you're in a comedy audience, um, it's kind of pleased by everyone else laughing. There's a yeah. context. Yeah. It's all sort of um, safe, really. And I suppose that's maybe one of the reasons why. Tankula had, you know, it was straight to the internet, yeah. which is a place of yeah. um, genuine anti-Semitic hate yeah. incitement. Um, and, and so um, maybe that's where these, uh, these things fall down. Maybe if, if he was someone that did more live comedy, he would understand the kind of, or maybe he would uh, be more intuitive, his sort of sense of displaying absolutely. intent. That's, yeah. And it's also as well, I, I do think that class plays a part to it. Because when you see Jimmy Carr, there are certain jokes that he's done Gypsies being a prime example, where you go, would you have got away with that if you looked and sounded like Marcus? Absolutely I'm not, not sure. Absolutely not. No. But there we go. I think that might be a good yeah, place to end good... it. Listen, man, uh, thanks for coming in. Thank uh, you for having as, me. As I very said, nice. I think it's very useful that you've articulated that centre ground. Um, it's made me, made me think quite a bit, actually, in terms of what I think. I, I do think um, that within the context of what you're saying, if there is that struggle to define the appropriate level of unsafeness let's say that yeah. we have then they've got to be people like us who 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 go okay well we hear what you're saying right yeah. but, but there's certain lines we don't cross and maybe that's true but it's, what's also true is that 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 position is now tainted in the binary yeah, yeah. isn't it yeah. that's that's yeah. Yeah. Both saying, both are binary. Binary. Well, exactly the position of saying well we have to defend this guy yeah. is now is tainted so you, yeah. you can't you know you're saying that doesn't help. Yeah. So that's why I'm loath to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah of loath to yeah. defend him in the way you do because yeah. I actually want people to move past these these um, just endless, you know. Yeah, yeah. So do we. Headbanging. Yeah. Really. So do we. Yeah. yeah. And it's good. It's good to have you. Uh, listen. Last question we always ask is, what's the one thing no one's talking about that we ought to be talking about? Please don't make it about Mediterranean people. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you wrote a joke. I was going to say Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere my girlfriend uh, is clapping her hands. What's the one thing people are talking about? They, sh they shouldn't be talking about. The dialogue. Uh, okay. Your thesaurus say... instinct has come out there. You've yeah. gone. What's the one people are thing people are talking about? They shouldn't <laughs> be talking <laughs> about. Yeah. It's uh, let's say. Let's say. Um, let's say automation mm. and uh, I guess it feeds into that idea of regulating whether you regulate the internet mm. or not um, our, our relationship with machines whether it be you know how is it going to change capitalism how is it going to change like, work life mm. um, how are we going to make algorithms ethical all this stuff mm. it's being completely ignored by both major parties mm. most, most online commentators mm. um, you know how do you make communities feel vital when everything is done you know remotely mm. Mm. um all that stuff is is nowhere it's probably tied into brexit as, a, as an underlying cause of it but it's not it's just been lost in this endless mm. headbanging over mm. whether we should be in the eu or not yeah so yeah. uh yeah i'm say that automation it's it's fascinating point that automation thing and the algorithms especially because i remember there's a israeli historian called Yuval Noah harari yeah he talks about this and he was saying that like the, the automated cars of the future someone somewhere is going to have to make a decision if you can kill a pedestrian or, a, or, old, or crash yeah. into another car. Yeah. You know, someone's going to have to sit down and go, I think we should kill the pedestrian. And then who's that person? Right. You see the ethical yeah, mindset. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Incredible. Anyway, uh, thanks for coming on. Your Twitter is? 
at Finn Taylor Comedy. At Finn Taylor. You're off to Melbourne very shortly. Yes, um, there all of April. And then I've got one last show of the, the, uh, the infamous uh, rape apologism, uh, <laughs> which is on at the, I think it's the 3rd of May at the South Bank in and, London. And the show is called When Harassi Met Sally. Uh, so uh, follow Finn on Twitter. Check him out. He's, he's one of my absolutely favorite comedians, even though he's completely wrong. On <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always been a big fan of yours, yeah, as you thank know. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Finn is really, really good. We might even put a little clip uh, of uh, Finn's comedy into, yeah. into this thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then we'll cut the bit of me, of me saying that. Yeah, and uh, we've also got quite a few Aussie uh, followers and viewers. So go and see uh, Finn. He's yep. brilliant. And uh, my girlfriend genuinely really likes that Mediterranean show. Oh, and in fact, that. she's insisted that we go and watch your show. Oh, brilliant. So she can be exposed to more hate speech. Right. <laughs> and on that note, uh, thank you very much, guys. Constantine, do you want to do the outro? Absolutely. As always, follow us at TriggerPod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click the bell button next to the subscribe button. And we will see you in a week from now with another brilliant episode. Absolutely. Oh, and one more thing, guys. If you think you've subscribed, uh, YouTube has a nasty little habit of unsubscribing you. Please make sure, please check, and if it has, re-click the bell button and all the rest of it, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.